Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 4, Legacy. One of the top five Daniel episodes ever. Oh, one of my top five episodes ever. I yeah. love this episode. This episode mm. is right up my, the alley of all of the things I like. <laughs> <laughs> of just all of the things. It's just all the things, and I like all of them. So. All right. Well, you should yeah. get right to it then. Okay, yes. No, doggone. We're going to get right into it. So uh, this episode originally aired on July 16th, 1999. It was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and was directed by Peter DeLuise. In this episode, after Daniel begins to experience hallucinations, SGC doctors suspect that the number of trips through the Stargate may be limited. Daniel insists that something went wrong on SG-1's last mission, but no one believes him. With his condition worsening, will Daniel be able to convince them before he is permanently committed to a mental hospital? So there you go. That's what happens this week. <laughs> what did did you remember this episode before it started? I did, and but there's a lot that I didn't remember about it that kind okay. of in the same theme of things that drive me nuts, drove me nuts about this episode. <laughs> Just the the progression of like something weird is happening to Daniel. Daniel's like, hey, it could be this thing that we may have seen before you know, whatever. And everyone's automatically like, no, you're of course crazy. You're of course nutty. And then he turns out to be right. And they're like, oh, it was the thing you were talking about. Okay. Yeah. The the doctors other than Dr. Frazier don't come out smelling too good from this episode, in my opinion. Well, even Dr. Frazier, like the entire time, she was just like, I don't, the evidence points exactly to this. Really? Because you go to alien planets. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if, if all his physical, you know, the usual tests that they run to test people for, is something wrong with you? If they all come back and say, no, nothing is wrong with them. Then what are you left with? You know, mm. a, well, a alien inventions, I guess. <laughs> what is, what is the, um, what is the simplest explanation is usually the correct one. Yes. Who is that? Uh, oh, mm. is that Occam's razor? Simplest yeah, explanation is Occam's Yeah. yeah and, I think so. But, but like, I don't know. I just thought it, it seems like that's never actually what they go with. Yeah. Um, no, that's not Occam's razor. Oh, wait, no. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's Occam's razor. Yeah, the simplest explanation. It's Occam's razor. Yeah. yeah. So. Which in this case is schizophrenia. <laughs> and it's not even the right, we'll get to it, but it's not even the right type of schizophrenia, I don't think. After looking into what they say Daniel has and looking into what that is, yeah. I don't think it's the right kind of schizophrenia. So, all right, we'll take us all there. All right, so we open with SG-1 walking down a dark hallway in a building of some kind on a possibly deserted planet. The map at least did not report any life signs. Which that it, whenever they say that, I'm like, how far can the map scan? Oh, true. You know, it's like there's no life signs here. But again, it's that question of in Stargate, how much civilization is there beyond the immediate area around the gate? I think yeah. it's still apparently not much in most cases. Yeah. Um, oh, and Teal points out that all that stuff is like ancient gold technology, yeah. which gives me hope for that thing I wanted to 
like have before of you know ancient gould like oh. what, rotary phone yes. basically like analog that's the <laughs> analog, analog. Gould, yes yeah i wanted more of that and so that one gave me hope <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they come to a door and there's like a glowing sort of like lit up glowing red stone next to a door and tilk says that it is of ancient gould design and so he kind of like passes his hand over it and a uh, door rolls open and releases a very unpleasant odor so SG-1 enter the room and start looking around, and then Daniel trips over a dead body. Yay. Yeah. So I do got to say, though, the makeup they did on those dead bodies is, like, it's kind of, it's good, I think. This it was week. good, yeah. I did yeah. like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I approve. Okay. So Jack orders everybody into level A protective gear. So they pull out, you know, the hooded gas masks and like gloves and things. And they find more dead bodies around the room. And Sam takes a closer look at one and sees that these aren't just humans. They're ghouled. What? As we cut to the opening credits. So. Yes. So also inside the room, uh, next to the door, there's a redstone like there was on the outside, but this one has been damaged, which Tilk says was damaged by a, a, like a hand, the hand device, which seems like a weird thing. Like, why wouldn't it be a staff blaster? Is that? It also seems weird that he would be able to differentiate. Well, I guess a staff blast would be much more destructive. But more anyway. Burn, burned-y yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's been damaged. And on a table in the room, there's a symbol engraved on it, which is kind of three sort of overlapping triangles that are sort of offset from each other and a scorpion looking kind of creature in the middle of it. And Tilk tells Daniel that this is the symbol for the Lindris, who are a sort of minor league of system lords, if you will. Um, there are nine of them. And hey, what do you know? There's nine dead bodies in that room. So hey, we found the Lindris. And also on the table, there's one of those Gould tablet devices like there was on Argos. And Daniel, of course, picks it up because he can't resist touching things. Daniel's always touching things. Yes. Today's Um, memo. Stop (laughs) touching things. (laughs) Um, And Daniel can kind of, you know, make out what it says. And it looks like it's some sort of battle plan. But he needs the page turning device to see what's on the next page or the previous page. And Jack spots it under the table. And so Daniel picks it up and waves it like over the device, but nothing happens. And he tries again, nothing happens again. He then kind of like startles and says he felt something brush by him. And Jack is like, yeah, okay, let's go. This is kind of creepy. Let's let the containment team come in, take over. We don't need to be here anymore. <laughs> Which I'm like, yeah, I'd be like, can, can we go? Cause this is just, yeah, it's creepy. So when would the little thing have jumped in there then? And how would he not have noticed it? Um, well, based on what we see later, it would have happened as he, like, waved the little stone thing over the tablet. Yeah. How would, I, I don't know how he would have missed that. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, maybe it went in, like, on his palm. It didn't crawl, like, over his hand. It went in, like, or, like, his wrist or something. Because apparently they can, you know, go through gloves and material and things. And phasey things, yeah. Yeah. Weird. So, um, so back at the SGC, uh, Daniel's walking out of the shower, which it's not bad. Point number one in, in, in this episode's favor. Um, 
And he hears like a woman's voice that seems to be calling for him. He's like, it's like, Dr. Jackson, uh, kind of like whispery and like far away ish. And he's like, I'll be out in a sec. And he looks around and doesn't see anybody. But then he kind of focuses on a dripping faucet and he just gets this look like that was weird. Huh. Okay. Then as he's leaving the locker room, uh, Sam's walking by and he's like, hey, were you just calling for me? And she's like, nope. And he's like, really, just like a second ago, you weren't in the locker room. She's like, no, I was not in the locker room. Like, I'll just happy go lucky. Like, everything's totally fine. And she's like, no, I wasn't. But, you know, Hammond's waiting for us in the briefing room. So. And Daniel's just like, okay. Yeah. He, he still has that look on his face like, something's weird. That was weird. So in the briefing room, Dr. Frazier is also there. And she informs everyone that the symbiotes died before the hosts due to a unique protein marker that gets left behind when a symbiote dies. And Sam once again reminds us that she was formerly a host Google because she's like, the protein marker I have in my blood, thanks to Joel and R. Which is like, they do I bring that up a lot, don't they? They? Think, they do. I'm like, I think we get it. I, I think, think we, we get what happened to you. I think we understand by now. Unfortunately, Dr. Frazier doesn't know what killed the symbiotes, and she may never know because symbiotes, once they die, get like absorbed into the body at a fairly rapid rate, apparently. So there are no symbiote um, corpses, if you will, for her to study. That still uh, also just seems like a really weird concept. Like, that seems very difficult for a body to, like, just dissolve it and absorb it. And I don't know. I can't picture that happening quickly and or easily. Well, your body absorbs, all, like, you know, twins eat each other in the womb kind of thing. But, like, quickly? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how quickly that happens, but... I don't know. The the absorption of foreign matter is the thing your body does. I guess. It seems weird for, uh, yeah. for what symbiotes look like. Yeah. <laughs> like their claws and their squeaky things. And apparently they have, you know, like fins or whatever now. But I don't know how. Yeah. I guess maybe it depends on like what that actual process is. The, the absorption, which is like, I don't, for some reason, whenever he says, I just kind of go, Ugh. like, I don't know yeah. if it's that word that they used to describe it, but yeah. I feel like that was just somebody in the writing room who was just like, nah, your body absorbs it. <laughs> right. Like, okay. Like, that's how we fix this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as for the hosts, there's nothing to indicate there was any kind of like attack. Like there's no wounds on them. There's no sign of any kind of infection from any kind of like biologic warfare thing like Jack suggests. And if the door was locked from the inside and they couldn't get out, she's like, they probably just died of starvation, which kind of a goof because probably they would have actually died of dehydration first because you can only go without water for like three or four days, but you can kind of actually go a few weeks without food unless their bodies are different maybe okay so if the door was locked from the inside then how did whoever killed them get out sam posits that maybe the assailant was invisible and sg1 let them out when they entered the room and they like opened the door from the outside and jack's like ritu we think the ritu did this and toka's like no because they would have also like destroyed the bodies too so Another mention of the Ritu. We never see them again, but they get mentioned a lot at the beginning of season three. Yeah, they seem to be the quick, hmm, we have no idea who did this. This must have been something invisible. Ritu! Ritu! Yes. Uh, much like Jolinar, the Ritu come up a lot and have yes. little or nothing to do with most things. Yeah, I didn't, I did not remember how often they do that. Yeah. 
Um, so Hammond then asks Daniel about the tablet as we get just the announcement of an incoming traveler coming in. And after being sort of momentarily distracted by the dialing gate, Daniel continues Daniel continues with what he had said before on the planet that it's some kind of like attack plan, but he can't get it to move to the second page if there is a second page to continue translating what's ever there. So Hammond makes deciphering the tablet Daniel's top priority. And as they're dismissed, Daniel pauses to like look out over the gate room and instead of SG-7, he sees the corpses from the planet, like in the SG uniforms instead of people, it's the, you know, decaying husks like, of the hosts. Walking around ghost style. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, he looks over at Jack, who's standing next to him, and, Dan and Jack, you know, it's totally fine. So Daniel looks back, and it's just SG-7. So, again, something weird is going on. Weird. Yeah. Hmm. I, I thought that scene was pretty good, though, with yeah. Michael Shanks being, doing a very good job of kind of being preoccupied and distracted Yes. While still trying to hold the conversation of, you know, reading the lines in the scene and stuff, he did he did yes. that very well. Yes. This is this is a very good Michael Shanks episode, I have to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to Daniel's office as he continues to try and translate the tablet device, and he sort of translates a part of it more to as um, to enter by infiltration. And there's, again, that, like, voice whispering his name and the sound of the gate dialing that seems to be coming from a cabinet in his office. And so he opens it and sees the event horizon of a wormhole and a voice beckons him to join them through the gate. And he's like, nope, this is not real. This isn't happening. This isn't real. And he kind of, like, starts to reach out for it anyway, trying to, like, convince himself that it's not, like, if I can't touch it, it's really not real and it's not there when a hand from one of the Lindverse corpses reaches out through the wormhole and the face appears and like grabs Daniel and Daniel yells for help and he gets pulled into the event horizon in his cabinet. So does that mean that they found him later in his closet? I think they just found him collapsed on the floor. That's how I, I imagine like it. Narnia. Maybe, I mean, maybe, but I, I would, I, I guess it would depend on what's in there like actually in there <laughs> <laughs> if he could even actually fit in there so but i don't know in my mind yeah. it was always just like he they found him collapsed on, like unconscious on the floor That's yeah how it always happened in my head yeah i do like to think about that when they make interesting cuts of you know one scene to the other like how did that you know how did the bridge scene go of them uh, coming in yeah yeah um so Daniel then wakes up in the infirmary and Jack is there kind of waiting for him. And they're both like, hello. Yes. Hello. Think oh, I hear there. Yes. Like you okay. And so Daniel asks Jack if he believes in ghosts and Jack does not. And neither does Daniel. So there must be a very logical explanation for what's happening. And Jack's like, and that is what exactly? So Daniel sort of reads. So he's like, you know, back on the planet, I said I felt something brush by me, and now I'm hearing voices and seeing things, like the dead gould in his closet. Which, first, I don't know why he and Jack call that cabinet a closet. I'm like, that's not a closet. It's very definitely a cabinet. Like, one of those metal storage cabinets. But they keep calling they it a... Their, but is it where they're supposed to have kept their clothes and personal effects and stuff? I don't know. I don't know if we've ever actually seen inside it when it hasn't been a Stargate. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> it could have been like a freestanding wardrobe. I guess. Maybe. Perhaps. But I don't know. Anyway, closet, cabinet, whatever. Um, and so he then tells Jack about sort of the more accurate translation of the phrase that he thought was just meant attack, but he refined to the to enter by infiltration phrase. And he's like, I don't think they're dead. I think maybe they figured out a way to transform their physical bodies into energy. And now they follow Daniel back and they want him as a host. And Jack's like, um, really? Like Jack really is not sure that that's what's happening here. And then it's like, well, it's either that I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I mean, about but, that one. Let's yeah. go with that one. Yeah. So we're obviously going with that one. Yes. So up in the briefing room, doctors Fraser and McKenzie are there with SG1 and Hammond, and Jack is just absolutely thrilled to see Dr. McKenzie again. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all thrilled at this development. Um, but he and Dr. Fraser seem to think that Daniel may have developed hebephrenic schizophrenia as a side effect of gate travel. And Jack is skeptical Jack is skeptical of both of those facts, both that Daniel has developed schizophrenia and that it's because of the Stargate. And according to the doctors, all of the physical symptoms Daniel is experiencing are textbook paranoid delusions, auditory and visual hallucinations, and an increase of dopamine in the left hemisphere of his brain. So until all of this is sorted out, whether if this is what is actually happening to Daniel, why it's happening to Daniel, whatever it is, Hammond is recalling all of the SG teams for evaluation and gate travel is currently suspended. Uh, in the meantime, they're medicating Daniel and keeping him comfortable in one of the VIP rooms for now. But if he gets any worse, they may have to commit him to mental health. It just, it, oh, the progression just seems so weird. Like they go to a planet, they see weird things, something weird's happened to Daniel. And like two days later, they're like, you're a nutcase. When when his initial thing was like, huh, I felt something weird on the planet. Maybe we should go investigate the planet. Yeah, yeah. But immediately um, they're like, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. Yes. We're locking you up in the nut house. Yeah. Uh, would you like to know some more facts about hebephrenic schizophrenia, schizophrenia? We can see if we agree with their diagnosis. Oh, yes. We can see if we have it. Yes. Okay. So hebephrenic schizophrenia is also known as disorganized schizophrenia, and it's characterized by disorganized behavior and speech and includes disturbances in emotional expression. Oh, man, that's like everybody. Here's the important part, though. Hallucinations and delusions are less pronounced with disorganized schizophrenia, though there is evidence that sometimes these symptoms do occur, but they're not like the major symptom of this specific type of schizophrenia, which is... Daniel's major symptoms. Right, that's like the big thing that he's doing. Yeah. So would you like to know what like the major symptoms of hebephrenic schizophrenia are? Okay. Okay. So the first one is like uh, what they call disorganized speech, which is a uh, rapid shifting of topics, speaking incoherently, like j like kind of making up words and gibberish, a repetition of phrases or words and like rhyming words that have no meaning. There's also disorganized behavior. And this okay, mostly go back to the rhyming with no meaning thing. Like, isn't that just like, like a common phrase that English people do anyway? What do you mean? Isn't that a way? Don't they just do that for like jargon? And that's why oh, like, nobody can ever figure out what they're saying. Cause like Cockney like, rhyming slang. Yeah. <laughs> like apples and pears for stairs. 
Yes. I think it's more like as you're speaking, you just say words that rhyme, even though they have no meaning or relation to each other or what it is you're actually trying to say. You just say rhyming words. Yeah. Yeah. Like Which um, Daniel's not doing that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's disorganized behavior which mostly affects goal-oriented behavior. And they gave an example like cooking and people with this type of schizophrenia often have difficulty starting or finishing a task. Um, there's also a lack of impulse control and routine behaviors like showering and like brushing your teeth can either be impaired or just like forgotten completely, um, which Daniel's not doing that either. And no, then and so far, this is still just describing a lot of people. And then the third one is what they call inappropriate affect, which deals with uh, a person's emotional response to like situations and stimuli. And people with hemophrenic schizophrenia often exhibit little or no emotional response. Like they're just very sort of like flat faced at yeah. like all times. Um, or other times they will express emotions that are inappropriate to the situation, like laughing when they're sad and things like that. Oh. Um, and disorganized schizophrenia most often presents early in people aged 15 to 25. Mm. So according to that, I don't see any of those behaviors in Daniel. Mm-mm. And I didn't want to go down a rabbit hole into all the other types of schizophrenia to try and diagnose oh. Daniel because that would not be appropriate. But I'm like, I don't think it's this one, though. To try to figure out what he actually had. Yeah. Closest to. Yeah. Because like, it turns out he had none of them. I know. It turns out he had none of them. But like, it's really not this one. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. So their argument of like, it's textbook this. It's really no. not. It's really it's not. not. It's very much so. not that. No. So. Sorry, yeah. Stargate. No. No. So that that's, but that's hebephrenic schizophrenia for you. Oh, right. Do they, is it named after somebody? Why is it hebephrenic? He, um, hebe, what now? Hebephrenic. Hebephrenic. Um, I, I don't think, I did not find that. I just found the sort of, here's what it is, you know, a couple pages and articles about it. But Look no, I don't know. Don't know why it's called that. I did not go that far into it. I just see the wonderful results I get on my phone if I look up why is it called hebephrenic schizophrenia? Let's see if hebephrenia. Uh, well, a form of schizophrenia. Let's see. Um, so it is Greek in origin with uh, phren, like that middle part phren from like phrenia, meaning mind. So I don't think it's named after a person. It's just, you know, Greek scientific medical words put together to make the new word of hebephrenia. Like everything else. All right. Yeah. Less so. fun. I might yeah. make one up on my own. Okay. I'm sorry. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not impressed by the medical jargon. No. We need to work harder. They do. Okay. Okay. Um, so we cut to Jack and Daniel in the VIP room playing chess, where at first Daniel's like, I feel fine. I feel good. This is, I'm totally, I'm not, everything's good. Everything's fine. And he ends up beating Jack at the game of chess that they're playing, even though he should have won like apparently two moves earlier than he actually did. But, you know, I think we can kind of forgive him for that mm-hmm. at this point because he, he's had a bit of a day, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. So they decide to switch to playing a card game and then the hallucinations kind of start up again and he's really doing his best to like ignore 
what he's like seeing and hearing because Jack is very obviously not reacting to the same things that he's hearing and seeing. And it's, it's, it's not really working. And then things go really bad when Daniel thinks he sees the symbiote crawl up Jack's arm and go into his head. So he jumps on Jack yelling that he needs to get the symbiote out. And Jack is like, Hey, what? Well, there's no symbiote in me. Fine. And Daniel's kind of like, Oh God, Sorry. no, there's not. And he then he well, just kind of. So question, like yeah. if you had been in Daniel's situation and you were obviously seeing something that no one was reacting to. So you're like, I am probably the only one seeing this right now. Would you have just lied and be like, I'm fine. We're fine. This is all fine. Or would you have been like, I am currently seeing something. I don't. I'm, I'm apparently the only one, but I feel like I should tell somebody. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I like to think I would say something be like, do you see that thing? You don't see the thing. Okay, I'm seeing that thing. That's not good that I'm seeing that thing that you're not seeing, right? I, I, I should, think that's what I would have done. Yeah, I should probably go talk to somebody about that, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. what, yeah. So, um, Jack manages to kind of, like, calm him down and convince him that, you know, it's not real. Jack's fine. And then Daniel kind of just, like, collapses on the floor and so jack heads over the phone to call for help and as the camera lingers on daniel we see something move like under the skin of his face which okay how did they do that because like the earpiece of his glasses moves so i don't think that was cgi i think i don't if they put like a prosthetic little cheek piece over the side of his face and had an actual thing move under the work like because, you know, as it passed, like, over, like, across his temple, like, the earpiece on his glasses moved. Like, something bumped it. Mm. Well, maybe so, that was CGI, too. I don't know. It didn't look CGI. Because mm. there's some CGI later that's really obvious CGI. That didn't that, that, <laughs> that didn't look CGI. I don't know. Yeah. I was just, very, however they did it, I was very impressed by it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Sometime later... Uh, Dr. McKenzie escorts the rest of SG-1 into a white padded cell to visit Daniel. And they've taken his glasses in case he hurts himself. And we do get a sort of blurry point of view, like, of Daniel to kind of illustrate for us, like, what's going on with him. And SG-1 do convince Daniel that they're real, because at first he's like, are you actually here or am I just seeing more things? And, like, Daniel, Daniel's not doing great. So how long is this supposed to be after he's come through the gate? What? How far is it from zero to padded room? A day and a half, maybe. Like, is this? It went downhill fast. Because that's pretty extreme. Like, I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't have been like, let's try meds first. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe rather than it, just like, you need psych help. I don't know. Maybe it's because he actually sort of physically, quote unquote, attacked Jack that it, 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 it kind of escalated a bit beyond Daniel just seeing and hearing things. Now he's actually like going after like it, it's affecting other people now. You know, it's not just affecting Daniel. Yeah, maybe. Still seems but. pretty extreme to go from like zero to padded room. Yeah, it it is very quick that this all happens. Um. <laughs> 
But Daniel's like, like, well, unless they were like, well, you know what? We have this room and no one's using it right now. So. Which I've never understood. Like in the, I know they like, they don't do this anymore. Like the whole, like the white padded room isn't a thing anymore, but like whoever thought that was a good idea, like people who are experiencing some sort of mental health break that, you know, hallucinations and stuff, put them in the most sterile and unstimulating. Like, wouldn't that make them more prone to that? Like that would drive me crazy. And I'm, I don't have any mental health issues. Like being in such a solitary and sterile environment doesn't seem like a good space to keep people in regardless of, I don't know. Yeah, I guess the theory was put put them in an environment where, in theory, they very much had no ability to hurt themselves or others. Yeah, like I get that, yeah. but but no, yeah. dumb, dumb idea. Yeah. Um, also, why does the padded room have corners, like little <laughs> little nooks. parts of the room, and yeah, nooks that he can just like crawl right into? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But it is interesting, yeah. Because it requires extra padding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I do have to say, like, whatever they did to Michael Chang's, like, he does not look well. He looks very unwell. Like, he's he's kind of, like, he looks a little sweaty, kind of, or a little greasy. Like, maybe he's in showered for a couple days. Like, his eyes are red. Like, Daniel, Daniel is not doing well in any sense of the word. At yeah, this point in time. Or he just decided to like stay up all night. I know. Like, did, did Michael Chang go method on us? Yeah, because he's such a dedicated actor. He just mm. stayed up all night. Yeah. And then at one point, he kind of he kind of starts crying and apologizes for being a head case. And everybody else is like, you have nothing to apologize for. This isn't your fault. And Jack mentions what Daniel had said earlier about Daniel feeling something brushed by him in the Lindris chamber. And it seems like maybe Jack is kind of trying to grasp at there's something else that's causing this. Like it's trying to reason out Daniel not being schizophrenic at this mm-hmm. point. Right. Um, and then Daniel says like he's hearing footsteps and that they're coming for him. And he kind of squishes himself into a corner and he starts laughing as he sees one of the Lindvrist standing next to Tilk and Jack's, you know, says to Sam, do you want to like get some help in here? And then Daniel rushes forward to try to get at it, but Tilk just grabs him and then we see this weird worm-like creature crawl out of Daniel's ear and go into Tilk. And Daniel pulls back and starts shouting that something went into Tilk and that they need to get it out. But unfortunately, everybody thinks that this is still just part of Daniel's hallucinations. Yeah, I don't know how Tilk didn't feel that either. Those things know. be crazy. Like it's, it's almost like they've like it's almost like they've like phase shifting technology or something built into them where they just like pass through matter. They don't yeah. like burrow or something, if you will. They just kind of go in there. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. There's no like entry holes. No. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple orderlies come in and hold Daniel down while a nurse injects him with more medication. And during this, Daniel and we, the audience, hear Michello's voice saying, You have delivered me to the vile Gauld so that I may destroy it. And we fade out on Daniel saying, Michello. So it seems we know what's going on now, the audience mm-hmm. at least. There is an explanation for this. Daniel hasn't suddenly developed schizophrenia out of nowhere. There was some kind of weird biological. There's a anti- thing happening. There's a thing. There's an actual physical thing. Oh, man. The thing. 
So Jackson and Tilk are back at the SGC exiting an elevator discussing how, you know, it's horrible what's happening to Daniel and how hard it is to see him like this when Tilk suddenly collapses in pain and Jack and Sam help him to the infirmary. Oh, man. Oh. And then back at the hospital, Daniel is dreaming about SG-1's original mission with Michello and Michello exclaiming, inventions to fight the Gwauld. And then he sort of dreams about like what happened with the creature leaving him and going into Tilk. And it's this sort of mishmash of everything that's happened up to this point. And he wakes up and he kind of just physically looks better. Like his hair looks clean suddenly somehow. (laughs) Like his eyes aren't really red anymore. Yeah. It's like he took a shower in his dream or something. You know? Um, but he wakes up and heads over to the door and starts like pounding on it and calling for Dr. McKenzie. And then, so in the SGC infirmary, they have Tilk in one of those plastic quarantine portable things. Um, And according to Dr. Frazier, Tilk's symbiote is dying and she has no idea why. Jack asks (gasps) Tilk if the Kelnorim thing will help and Tilk just kind of weakly shakes his head and General Hammond asks if Tilk is having any hallucinations like Daniel did, and he's not. And Daniel doesn't have any of like the physical symptoms that Tilk is having. So Daniel and Tilk are seemingly completely unrelated. Like whatever is going on with them seemingly have no correlation at all. And then But it's just too crazy to be unrelated. No, it's it's just it's too big of a coincidence. Too big, I think. Mm. Um, and uh, Dr. Frazier then gives Tilk a day, maybe two, um, and even if they could find another symbiote to replace Junior, there's no telling if the new symbiote would survive, because they don't know what's wrong with Tilk, they don't know if putting a new symbiote in would just kill that symbiote, too. So how do we think the little dude was killing it? (sighs) I, like, a poison or something, kind of? Infection? Of some kind that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, let's see what creating something possibly, or maybe it went into the symbiote and was eating it from the inside out. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you took it to a dark, creepy place. I did go dark and creepy because why not? (laughs) 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 Um. So. Back with Daniel, Dr. McKenzie is in the room with a couple orderlies and the nurse because it's time for Daniel's next dose of medicine. And Daniel's like, hold on, hold, just wait a second. Can you tell me if Tilk is sick? And McKenzie's like, I don't know. I haven't talked to the SGC. And he's like, Daniel's like, I just, I don't need more medicine. I need to get the medication you gave me out of my out of my system because I'm not crazy. Why do you keep thinking I'm crazy? Everything's fine. Why do you keep saying I'm crazy? He's like, oh, probably because I'm acting that way a little bit. He does still then somehow manage to convince Mackenzie to like hold off on the medicine and is like, call the SGC, ask after Tilk. And if Tilk is sick, tell Jack to come here so I can talk to him. So which is fair. And I'm glad they actually listened to him. Yeah, because I I think it also sort of pulls in a bit of that argument. If you say you're crazy, are you really crazy? If you acknowledge what you're doing is crazy, are you really crazy kind of a thing? Yeah. Which is what Daniel's doing. So I think Mackenzie. You know, I have seen documentaries about just how 
hard it is, it is nearly impossible if you're a sane person and then to get out of, you know, like whatever is going on in your life that you're choosing either like jail or whatever alternative and you decide to make yourself insane so that Mm -hmm. instead you go to a mental hospital. It is nearly impossible to then convince them that you're fine and you can get back out. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back at the SGC, Hammond comes into the infirmary where like Jack and Sam are there with Dr. Frazier looking over Tilk and he tells Jack that he's been requested at the hospital and that Dr. McKenzie seems to think there's been some kind of a change in Dr. Jackson, which that part, Dr. Frazier's like, a change, you say? But Jack is like, I need to go see Jack, like, gets up off the stool and he goes. Like, he does not hesitate at all to head over to see Daniel. Yay. Yes. So, Yay. best friends to the rescue. Um, <laughs> um, so, at the hospital, Daniel tells Jack sort of his working theory at this point. He believes Michello invented some kind of organism, biological weapon, with the specific purpose of targeting and killing ghoul symbiotes. But since Daniel doesn't have a symbiote, uh, it presented as him being schizophrenic because there's no symbiote to kill in him. And so now Daniel is fine and Tilk is sick, right? Tilk does have a symbiote. So Daniel might be onto something. And apparently he is because then we cut back to the SGC where Daniel's there now in the infirmary and he's totally fine and his dopamine levels are back to normal and everything's all good. You know what I think, though, is like, how is it that Marcello didn't have some sort of like backup plan in the event that his little organism dude went into someone without a symbiote? Well, I mean, did he even think to test it on somebody without a symbiote? Because it's like, this is the thing that attacks symbiotes. If you don't have a symbiote, you'll be fine. I guess. Mm, I don't, I don't know. I feel like that one needs more testing. (laughs) Yeah, possibly. So everyone's there like sort of watching over Tilk and they're all brainstorming to try and prove like that Daniel's hypothesis of some sort of Michello invention to kill the ghouls. So the questions we have at this point are one, why did it take so long to go into Tilk if Tilk is the one with the symbiote? And the best they can figure at this point is just proximity. Like maybe it just, it never got close enough to Tilk to sense that there was a symbiote in that person there. So it didn't go to Tilk because it didn't know Tilk had a symbiote and it didn't go into Jack because Jack doesn't have a symbiote. So that's that. Okay. If, if there is some sort of biological weapon thing, but all of Tilk's like scans are totally clean. There's like nothing in his blood work. There's nothing on any scan that they can find. And he's like, Okay, I guess the only support I have for that is that I saw it happen. (laughs) There's still no physical evidence of there being any kind of foreign body in Tilk at this point. And then the last question is, how could Michello have done this if he's been dead for a lot longer than the Lindris have been dead? And they're like, well, he could have planted it like months or even a year ago. And it was just like sitting there waiting for the Lindris to show up like a landmine. Which my question is, so is that place like a known Linvers hangout? Like, how, I don't know. How did Michello know to put it there? To all of a sudden in, introduce the Linvers and oh yeah, here's their lair and everybody apparently knows about it. Seemed quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was all like, and oh by the way, they're all dead. So and not. now they're all dead. We don't here's need, this we really don't need to cool talk thing. About them anymore. But they're all dead, so we don't get yeah. to talk. Yeah. But okay. There. Daniel is absolutely certain that this is a Michello thing. So 
Sam pulls up the catalog they have of all of Michello's things that apparently after he died, they went back to his planet and brought everything home and is at Area 51. And so they're flicking through the pictures and there, there's that like tablet device thing that we had on Argos. There's another one there. And in the next picture, there's a whole bunch of the page turner rock stone things. So why would you need like a dozen page turner thingies with only one tablet? True. uh, Maybe we found our bomb? Possibly. So we then cut to the science lab where Sam and Janet have two of the PTDs, page turner devices. (laughs) I love how they just like give everything acronyms and stuff. Um, In one of those like. You just get so confused. You have no idea what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they have it. um, They have two of them in one of those like quarantine chamber things with like the gloves attached to it. Uh, One of the ones from Area 51 and the one from the Linvris chamber. And so they try a few things to try and activate it. And it finally works when they wave it over the tablet. And we get 10 of those little wormy things slithering out. And this explains why only Daniel got infected because there were nine Lindris, but 10 wormy things. So there's one wormy thing left over and it went into Daniel. Well, problem solved. Yay. For it. But there's more because those wormy things like breach quarantine and like go through the gloves and through like the glass of the quarantine chamber and wherever they want. Sam and Janet like get infected with several of them, like not just one, but several of them go into Sam and Janet and Jack grabs a little hose thing, I think, to try and, I guess, suck up the ones that haven't actually entered a person. But then he gets infected with them, too. Alarms start ringing, and Daniel calls for General Hammond to come to the observation room. So now they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, so... We're going to Jack- get crazy real fast. Yeah. So Jack, Sam, and Janet are infected with multiple of the little wormy things, and as long as they stay in that room, they shouldn't be a danger to anybody else, like, on base, because they're not going to just, like, spontaneously leave a body unless they come into contact with somebody who has a gold symbiote in them. Of they um, know. They don't know. I, it's, it's a good guess, but, yeah. How do they know? For sure. They don't really, but that's what they have to work with at this point. They're okay. Um, So Daniel starts looking over the images of the tablet to try and decipher something else that might help when Hammond calls for Dr. Warner and a hazmat team to the observation room to help. So down in the lab itself, things are getting bad or are going to get bad very quickly for the three of them since they've been infected by multiple organisms. And Jack and Janet definitely start experiencing symptoms almost immediately. But Sam is fine. Somehow. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. And she wants Dr. Warner to like, maybe like take her blood and do some tests. And Hammond's like, I can't send another person in there. Cause who knows what's going to happen. And Sam suddenly doubles over in pain. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> it just maybe took a little longer for her. Wait, and wait. Uh, the four of the wormy things like fall out of her ear and drop dead on the floor. And she looks up at Danny. She's like, I swear I heard. And he goes, Michello. So... <laughs> I just it just keeps making me think of limoncello. <laughs> it does. Every time they say Marcello, I'm like limoncello. Yeah, just Marcello. Yeah. Um, and according to Sam, the the message she heard from Marcello was that her Gould captor was dead, even though she and she's like, but I don't have a Gould captor. And Daniel's like, you did. 
remember John R. Remember? <laughs> Does that ring any bells? <laughs> that uh, really warranted of like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so here we get, here we get it. This is what's happening. So again, when the ghoul dies and absorbs, it leaves behind the protein marker in the person's blood. So that's why the thingies left Sam because they thought they had killed the symbiote that was in her. Jack. And so Daniel's like, well, what about Jack? Because he had that ghoul from Hathor. And Sam's like, well, no, Jack won't be immune because that ghoul left his body before it died. And I was like, it did? It didn't. I was like, I don't think it did. No, (laughs) they froze it. And then they were like, your body will just absorb it. Yeah. So I think that was definitely a goof. I think I think this is a bit of a goof. Yeah. They just didn't want Jack to also be fine. Yeah. They couldn't have two people <laughs> be fine. <laughs> it's more fun if Jack goes crazy. So Sam wants to extract her blood and inject it into Jack and Janet, but that's not going to work because they all have different blood types and apparently Sam is not O negative. That's Boo. what we get from here. They would need to actually separate the protein from the rest of the blood, which Dr. Warner says is a process that would take weeks. And he's just completely useless in the scene. And I hate him. <laughs> he's just like, ugh. Um, and Janet. You're great drama and it works. I know. Um, but he's just so annoying and useless. I don't like it. Um but so Janet, in the midst of the whatever she's experiencing, speaks up and says centrifuge. So Sam starts to extract some of her blood and Dr. Warner's like, you're wasting your time. Like, it's just, oh, my God. Then come up with a better uh, idea. OK. Women can't be doctors. No. Um, she so, doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah. So Sam has a vial of her blood and she puts it in the centrifuge to start it spinning. And. For, I did, uh, sidebar like the cut to black for commercials in this edit are really distracting because it came at like the worst time like it's not they usually the, do yeah it was I, it was really noticeable here for some reason I don't know yeah. so once it's done Sam goes back to Janet and she's like what do I do now and Warner Dr. Warner still just like you're this isn't gonna help you can't do anything with this but like not contributing like anything useful to this conversation So what Janet says is like, all they need to do is separate the red blood cells. And so now Dr. Warner finally understands what Janet's trying to like get Sam to do because the parts of blood that are harmful to like other people who don't have the same blood type are all in the red blood cells and some of the plasma. So if they can just separate that stuff out, the stuff that's left will be fine. And that includes this protein marker from a dead symbiote. And Janet then goes quick freeze. How did the other doctor not think about this like immediately? Because he's an idiot. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. He, or This whole episode is just called not Occam's razor. Yeah. Or, you know, he get it get it. He was thinking we need to get the protein marker because that's the thing. But to get a protein marker, you have to do these 800 things rather than just the part of the blood that has the protein marker. He went to like specific, I think, with what they required to fix the situation. Um, Not Occam's razor. No. So Dr. Warner advises Sam to look for dry ice where Sam opens an empty refrigerator and goes, yeah, we got a ton of it. We don't 
please see it. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a ton of we don't, we don't. We don't. There's not, there's not a ton no. of it. But yay, they have a ton of dry ice. And Dr. Moore's like, okay, follow my instructions very carefully. It's like, are we sure we should do that considering how useless you've been to this point? But um, <laughs> <laughs> then he proceeds to just say, take the blood, put it into In- <laughs> where the dry ice is. Good. Yes. Yeah. Good. Done. Yay. <laughs> I know. Um, At least that's what happens in my head. Yeah, that, that's what happens in my head, too, because yep. they've already spun the blood. It's already yep. separated itself. So yep. um, take it and put it into the dry eyes. Yeah. So apparently uh, the process is now complete and Sam has syringes full of the good part of her blood. So she goes to Janet first, gives her an injection, takes another syringe, injects it into Jack, and then goes back to check on Janet, who hears, Machello! Machello! <laughs> um, then we get the little wormy things falling out of her ear, and then they also fall out of, like, Jack's ear, and they're cured! Yay! Yay! So, in the infirmary, Janet gives Tilka an injection of the thing, and she's like, I hope this works, because he'll still have his symbiote, but he'll also have the protein marker, so hopefully Michello's wormies aren't too smart. And it turns out they aren't, because the little wormy thing falls out of Tilk's ear, and we get a horrible CGI little vacuum straw <laughs> to, like... Oh, yeah. Suck it up. Get it out of there. And, and then the episode ends, and that's it. I know, that's like everything. No sort of, sorry, Daniel, we totally, sorry about that whole time that we like locked you up for being crazy in a pattern. Sorry about that. Let's go get ice cream. Yeah. It's like, I don't know why I'm like just noticing it now, but it's like, and it's done. Like it doesn't end. It just like stops. Yeah. Oh yeah. It totally does. Yeah. I, I really would like to have them like, make a recall of that you remember that time that we locked you up because we thought you were crazy (laughs) we might have to do that again in four years sorry (laughs) Hmm. okay so that's that's legacy for you um what what are your memos for this week rachel (laughs) i mean we got we got don't touch anything don't touch things yeah the memo should just read oh my god stop touching things that's Put it in all caps in my notes. Oh my God, stop. Stop touching things. Touching things. Um, the, uh, we have a memo that's like sometimes the History Channel guy is right. It is aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it is aliens. (laughs) What's that guy's name with the crazy hair on the History Channel? I don't. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't know his name, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes he's right. It is. Yeah. Also, if you have a guest doctor, the guest doctor is stupid. Don't allow guest doctors to have opinions. <laughs> I don't know if that's an official memo. I'll put that one in, in parentheses. Um, let's see, can I think of anything? I think I think those are the main ones for this week. Yeah. What other, what other policy memos? Uh, I mean, does it seem weird to you that at no point in time? Like, were they like, oh, something weird happened to Daniel right after we came back from this planet? Maybe we should investigate the planet. But is it also... They were like, no, everyone might be going crazy. We're suspending all gate travel forever. Well... To determine whether or not any of you are crazy pants. I mean, I guess. 
Well, I guess they were probably thinking that like the containment hazmat team would have reported anything when they came in after SG-1 left. Right, because their quarantine procedures when coming back in are so state-of-the-art <laughs> and accurate and fantastic. But well, then surely that, they would have caught it. Well, then on that topic, what would you what do you want them to do? <laughs> <laughs> if they thought something bad had happened, wouldn't they want to stay away so nobody else got sick? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, classic TV is to go straight towards the thing that's going on. <laughs> Go straight towards the weird noise. Go straight towards the planet with the disease on it. That is classic 90s TV. Yeah, it is. Um, so with Memby, if something weird happens, go back and figure out what. Oh, I don't know. I think really just how how many times has the memo been just? Oh my God, stop touching things. <laughs> Too many. Like all the memos are stop touching things. Half the show wouldn't exist if Daniel didn't touch the thing. Half these episodes would not exist. (laughs) Daniel touches the thing. Jack touches the thing. The thing touches Jack, really. That's what happens. I did it again, sir. Daniel touches the things. Things touch Jack. That is half (laughs) of the entire show right there. Because the the head grabby thing grabbed Jack. Jack didn't touch it. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's going in the show notes. That's going in the like the summary. Yeah. Uh, Daniel touches things. Things touch Jack. Jack. Daniel touches things. Things touch Jack. Okay. Sam just talks about the one time she was touched. (laughs) Entire show. (laughs) What about Tilk? Um, Tilk broods and something kills his symbiote and mysteriously is fine. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I don't have a witty thing for Tilk. Okay. We'll have to come up with something later. Maybe in a couple weeks. We'll think about that. We'll brainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we move on to the title of the episode, Legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the definitions of legacy is something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or a predecessor or from the past. I think this fits into that. Lemon challenge. <laughs> yes. There's there's two kind of interesting foreign titles for this week. Most of them are just like legacy. One of them is like Michello's legacy. The German one translates as possessed instead oh, of legacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Russian one, the Russian one this week which, you know, fuck Russia right now, but back in 1999, the title they gave this episode is The Gift of Goodbye. Hey. Like, what does that mean? Like, I don't, like, uh. like, I guess it's kind of like if you leave somebody a gift as a legacy, it's sort of a gift as you say goodbye. I'm like, I think I kind of get what they're going for, but I was like, that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. That's a ponder, that is. Yes. Yes, it is. Mm. Okay. Uh, final thoughts. No. I did remember that I liked this was a very awesome Daniel episode, but I did not remember some of the things in it that drove me nuts. And so when I watched it again, I was like, oh, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I blocked out all the bad memories. <laughs> I, th- I find I, I, I apparently have done that as well. <laughs> I just remember all the stuff that was really awesome that I really liked a lot. 
Yeah. And then all the other stuff is just like, eh, it doesn't really matter. And, yeah. But now that we're doing a podcast about it, we have to talk about all that stuff. We do. We have to talk about the things. Yeah. Why are there nooks and crannies in the padded room? Yep. Yeah. My yeah. ultimate question. Yeah. This was is the, the padded, one. Like, okay, wait. Oh, was the padded room in the SGC or did they transport him somewhere? No. My my understanding is that it's off-site somewhere, like okay. in, in, in a hospital of some sort. Wasn't in the mountain. I often kind no, of imagined myself just... What are, what are the range of facilities that are actually in the mountain? Yeah. Which, oh, that leads me to the other question I had. So, like, after Daniel's cured and he's talking to Dr. McKenzie and stuff, he, like, gets very specific about we were on this planet and Michello is an alien and, like, the orderlies and the nurse are in there. So, are they, like... Oh, do they are, have clearance? Is, I'm, like... Or do they just... Are they just, like, you know, oh, it's the crazy guy rambling about aliens again. Like... I wonder what, if that's like, what they do later, like... I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Like, what are are the orderlies and that nurse? Like, is this a is this a designated SGC hospital where everybody has clearance for the Stargate program, or are these just military medical professionals, and they just the people who don't have clearance just think Daniel's schizophrenic rambling about stuff that obviously doesn't exist. I mean, I hope that they would have thought ahead of, like, anyone that comes into contact with him would have a certain level of clearance because there's, like, he's going crazy and he might say things. Right. But also, if people think he has schizophrenia, they're not going to believe what he says because they think he has schizophrenia. They'll just be like, he's going crazy. He says things. Yeah. I don't. That was sort of my lingering question was the, like, the orderlies and stuff. What do do they know? (laughs) How much do they know? (laughs) That's a good question. Yeah. That's my lingering question for this week. Mm, all right. We'll think about okay. it. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is still definitely one of my top all-time Stargate episodes. I it still love it. One. It's it a good, good one. one. Mm-hmm. Daniel does, or Michael Shanks does, like, not sane very well. I mean, you got, like, Mead. You got this one. We got Lifeboat coming up in season seven. We've got the light coming up. Yeah. Next and he season. didn't even have to die in this one. No, he didn't. No. Yeah. Because Michael Shanks has the ability to somehow turn himself into like a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. It just tugs at your heartstrings and makes you feel for him. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway. Oh, lifeboat. Yeah. Now I'm remembering that one. Yeah. Oh, that one's going to be a good one. Yeah. Can we get, can we do that one next week? Can we just like jump like Which, four seasons? <laughs> no. Damn it. We'll just talk about it the whole time. <laughs> And just bring it up every week until then. Yep. <laughs> we'll just close it out with wait for lifeboat. Just wait for lifeboat. Yeah. Wait for if the you, lifeboat. If you liked this one, wait till we get to lifeboat in season seven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Learning Curve. Bye. Bye.